You're listening to Rockland Community Church, connecting all generations to Jesus. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit of that is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. He is merciful, and be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Amen. Well, have you ever... um... Have you ever heard somebody use an expression and maybe it's the first time you heard it and it literally didn't make sense? Um, I, I remember this, like I, I have very few memories about these, but I had a few of these from when I was a kid. The first time I remember, and, and kids, so literal in what we hear. I remember the first time as a kid, um, there was something kind of complicated that came up and I don't remember who it was, it was an older man, and he said, I don't know, I'm gonna need to try and wrap my head around that. And as a kid, I was going, I don't know, I don't understand what that means. Like Gumby, like wrapping your head around something because it's so literal, but it just means I just, I need to think about that one. I need to understand that. Or I remember a time we were at, I remember distinctly we we're at some softball field and it was, my sister just had a game or something and we're leaving and we're talking to this family and hanging out and they were off to do something. And then as they leave, I thought we had a pleasant interaction. And the last thing my dad said to them as they were leaving is he goes, all right, hey, well, you guys break a leg. And I, as a kid, heard that, and I remember just thinking, like, what a horrible thing to wish upon somebody as they're, as they're leaving. And there's lots of these. I remember when I was a kid, uh, my, mom, my mom actually, I've, I've, it's the only time I've ever heard this used, she actually used the expression, raining cats and dogs, which I feel like is from the 1800s or something, I don't know. But she said, raining cats and dogs. And I remember as a kid thinking, like, I am 100% sure that it is not literally raining little kitties and puppies down from heaven on the pavement. But I'm also 100% sure I'm going to run to the window real quick just to be sure. 
And I did, and I ran out there and I looked. Or there was one time, I remember, um, we were gonna go, we had, we had a couple different things that we had to do, and so we were going to go do one thing and really sort of check two things off our to-do list. And think about being a kid and hearing this one for the first time. We're gonna go to the store or something like that. And my dad goes, great, we'll go kill two birds with one stone. Which is a very odd expression that somebody came up with. If you think about it, like, why don't you say feed two birds out of one hand or something like that? Instead, somebody thought we should be efficient with rocks that were thrown at birds and we'll get two with one. And that's the expression that came out. So it's interesting, like, hearing that and going, wait a minute, how did that get chosen and what does that even mean? But there's one that I, I actually distinctly remember this as a kid. I know the elementary school I was in. I don't remember what grade I was in. And I can sort of picture the girl that was sitting next to me. Um, but this was elementary. And so she's here and, um, and she said something that doesn't literally make sense, but I knew exactly what she meant when she said it. I'm here, this girl next to me, and she talked about some other girl in the class, and she goes, you know, so-and-so, whoever it was, and I said, yeah, yeah, and she said, I hate her guts, and I immediately didn't think literally like a child does, that you go like her guts, something you hate. I went, oh, she really, really hates this other kid. Now, as Christians we probably know better than to ever use the phrase, I hate that person's guts, or just, I hate that person. We know we're supposed to love people. In fact, just hearing the scripture read this morning, there's a little bit of conviction that sets in because it's pretty plain what he's saying. And while we wouldn't use the phrase, I hate somebody's guts, um, think about Christians that we might think, I really, really don't like this person. I will not, what they did is unforgivable. I will not forgive this person. I have a grudge against this person. I'm hurt by this person. I'm wounded by this person. Would you use the word enemies with anybody? Here's what Jesus is going to say today. Very simply, what this text says is that we are to love all, not most. Love all, not most. Most. This is, we, we love everybody. We, we don't feel good about loving most people, but we still reserve these enemies over here and we feel like we're living the Christian life. This is incredibly challenging for us because we live in the world, we have, we have all the same reasons to hate people that other people do. Like people, people hurt us in this world. They disappoint us in the world. There's um, leaders that have lied and it's easy to go, they're the enemy there's people that have hurt us very personally or people that are, that are spreading just vile uh, morality in the culture and we're looking and going, that is impacting me and it's impacting people I love. Like we have all the same reasons as anybody else to say they're an enemy to me. We live in a fallen world and we'll get hurt. Usually there's some kind of reason behind it that can just hurt us. Like honestly, if I get hurt, I can usually move past it. But if you hurt my wife or if you hurt my kids, that's different. All of a sudden, I might think, well, no one's an enemy if they do something to me, but then if you could put some categories that I might go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I wouldn't say enemy because I'm sophisticated enough to come up with another way of saying it. It doesn't directly contradict what Jesus says, but it's just doing the same thing. The other reason it's really difficult for Christians is because if you think about it, Christians alone are bound to love all, not most. 
No place else in the world are you bound to love everybody. In fact, if somebody hurts you, if somebody is the enemy, what gets glorified in our culture today is cancel that person, shame that person, talk bad about that person. Think, think how like gossip is just so accepted today in our culture. Well, they did something bad. So yeah, it's fine if we sit here and talk about them. I'm sure you're not embellishing at all or just hearing one side of the story. Like it's so easy to do. Christians are the ones that say we love all, not most. And we're pushing against a culture that says be loving, but just love most people. There's certain people that they fall in a category that you don't need to have love for. And Jesus is gonna say love all, not most. Now, let me just say, even if you're thinking, you're talking like enemies, like that's such a strong word, for, it's Jesus's word, so, um, but like if I'm talking enemies, you might go, I don't really have enemies, or you might think, I don't, I don't now, but you know, yeah, when I was, you know, a few years ago, I could think of someone like that. Um, <clears throat> we are not impervious from this temptation coming upon us. Like we, we live and we walk in a broken world. And in that world, we will have these hurts. We will have um, instances where people will do things and our bent will be to not forgive. And if you can't think of anybody right now that might fall in this category of being tough to love, um, what you can do is since we live in this broken, fallen world, you can also plan right now that somebody at some point is going to fall in this category where our fleshly bent is going to be to just write them off and ostracize them and count them an enemy. But pray now that you can respond with grace. Like I'm thinking about, I'd like to think I don't have any enemies right now at all. I don't think I do. I think I'm loving towards all, not most. But I'm thinking about someday, my oldest is a girl, someday some boy is going to marry my daughter, hopefully. And all of a sudden, if he's rude to her, hmm, might be more difficult. But what can I do? I can pray now and know that someday if she gets married, this boy's not going to be good enough for her, by the way, and he's, she's going to get married, and I can just know he's going to do something that makes dad going to want to go pop him, and I need to just be careful of that. And I can pray right now that I will be disappointed, I will be hurt, people I love might be hurt, and how can I, um, how can I handle that? Or I love talking to young married people so fun, or a young, I'm sorry, like engaged. When we talk, we do have this conversation where we'll go, now, how do you guys handle conflict? And they're like, no, we just don't. We're fine. Everything's great. I'm like, oh boy. Pray right now that when you realize you, you're, you're now under the roof with a sinner, that you can say, God, help and rescue us. Let me, let me be ready to extend grace in that moment because we live in a broken, fallen world. So even if you're going, this boy, Jesus was really hammering him about this here today and you'll, we'll walk through it together. But, and, and you might be thinking, that's not me right now. I can't immediately relate. I'm sure someone's coming to mind from your past or you can probably think of a potential in the future as well. What do we do when someone hurts us? when love all not most sounds impossible? What do we do when someone's our enemy, when they hate us, when they curse us, when they mistreat us? Well, Jesus says, I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those, and the ESV translates it abuse. The word's probably better translated mistreat, for those who mistreat you. In other words, he's going, you don't like those people very much, do you? Mm -mm. Well, don't respond using their tactics. 
Don't do to them what they have done to you. Don't respond in kind. Don't let their sin justify your sin in response. And what he's doing when he's talking about enemies, they curse you, they mistreat you, they abuse you, he's kind of going pretty far down the line. And the idea is if, if these people we're supposed to show love for, then surely all the people back here that have these minor offenses, we should offer them love as well. But, but I, I just put, Jesus, you can't possibly mean what I think you mean. And he's like, oh yeah, listen to this. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. Now, this isn't a call to say, don't ever defend yourself. That's not what it's saying. But this is a, the, the customary, it would be the back of the right hand to the right cheek of somebody, generally publicly. And you can imagine in public getting slapped like that and what that would be like. And he's trying to give this vivid illustration of what non-retaliatory love actually looks like. When they strike you on the cheek, offer the other also. And the one who takes away your cloak, that's like a robe, do not withhold your tunic, your shirt underneath it also. Um, <clears throat> it's the idea if the robber only takes one thing and so he's a generous robber, be even more generous and go, you forgot something and give him even more. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. Now, in that world, poverty was absolutely rampant. And the secular culture said poor people are a drag on society and they're really annoying. And the Jews and now the Christians looked at poor people and they knew what God said about people. And so they would look at people and they would give generously. But you can imagine the pull in the culture of them looking at the Christians and going, why are you doing this? This is ridiculous. Do you know what you could be doing with that money that would be for your own good, that would be for your own fun, for your own life? And they're just gonna go modern day, they're just gonna go spend it on booze anyway. Why would you give them your money? Why don't you keep it for yourself? And the Christians said, God's commanded. God has made them. He loves them. We love all, not most. Now, one of, the, one of the biggest comments I'd make here is, I think this is really, really important. The idea of slapping, getting slapped on the cheek. Why would you respond by slapping back? And the reason that's our gut, like really what's at the heart of that is, uh, is the issue of weakness, meaning They've slapped me, they've embarrassed me, they have now elevated themselves over me, I'm really embarrassed and I need to right the ship and the way to right the ship is to slap them back. And so that's what happens in our gut. Now, I don't know if you get slapped, but if something happens like that, if somebody insults you, someone takes a shot at you, if you're like me, maybe you've got a little bit of a fight in you and you wanna just kind of bow up and just vent back, that can happen. And what can happen is it's, it's now like, if I don't do that, oh, I've dropped a notch. Like I'm, I'm sort of subservient now in this interaction, in this relationship. And if we go, well, the only options are I either just sort of crater like this or I sin by, by you know, mouthing off or slapping back or something like that. Jesus is going, I'm actually giving you a third way of power. Think about this, that somebody comes up to you to rob you and they get, they get your robe off. And here you are trying to figure out, what do I do? Do I defend myself? Do I jump on them? Do I, what, what do I do? He's giving them another way to show radical love to just go, here, you forgot some of these. Or now somebody slaps you like that and they turn and they're like, ha ha, I gotcha. And the, think back in the, in the culture. And now the idea of you missed a side like that 
feels like a position from somebody who's in control. That's somebody who is not, is not being mastered by their emotions. It's someone who is saying, no matter what you do to me, I'm going to respond to you with grace. Amen. Sometimes it's maddening to the other person. But when you do that, the option isn't just, oh, now I'm so weak and they did this, or I need to sin in kind back to them. It's from a position of strength, I can say, I will extend grace to you. As you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. One of the other things I think is important to mention is um, this is difficult when someone hurts, when there's someone who's an enemy. And we're talking about from this side, like when you get hurt, how do you, how do you go and, and, um, and make amends with them? That's what he's talking about. But it's important to stop and just think, is there any place, any church, any home, anywhere where if I were to say, think about an enemy that you might have, somebody might think of you. Somebody might think of me. He has hurt me. He's been rude to me. And things are not right. How can we make that right? Let's keep looking. Verse 32. Jesus says, if you love those who love you, or you could think if you only love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? It's a confusing translation. I'll go back and show you what it means in just a second. For even sinners love those who love them. If you just love people that love you, that's really good. That's a really low bar. That's what pretty much everybody does. And Jesus is saying, you have a higher bar as a follower of me. And if you do good, verse 33, if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. Someone does good to you and you do it back and you pat yourself on the back. He's going, everybody does that. I'm calling you to something higher. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. Let me show you, the, there's three words underlined that are a little confusing in the translation. Benefit, benefit, and credit. I said earlier, only Christians are bound to do this, and Jesus gives us the way to do it. The word for benefit there, so in verse 32, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? The word is charis, the Greek word, where we get the word grace. So you know what he just said? If you love those who love you, that's not grace. If you do good to those who do good to you, that's not grace. That's earned. That's a transaction. That says they are worthy of it, and so therefore you must give it. And God says that's not grace. What we extend to each other is grace. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And this love of God for the world, church, we are the visible manifestation of that love to the world. If somebody wants to know, how does God love me? I ought to be able to go, go find a Christian and see how they love you. And that's how God loves you. We extend grace. We don't just love how the world loves. That's not grace. Extending grace, though, is pretty difficult. And there's one other aspect of this text I want to um, lift out for just a moment, and it has to do with time. Somebody hurts you, somebody wounds you, somebody wounds a kid or a spouse or a loved one, something like that. 
Um, please, I, like we see this and immediately it sounds like we're just supposed to go, okay, no problem, and just kind of turn around. There's two elements to this that I think are important. Some of it's very immediate. Someone takes a cloak, give a cloak, they hit you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. But the other one he talks about is some stuff that happens over time. Forgive the debt to that person. That's usually something that happens over time. And if you look at what Jesus does and you walk through it, and this is in other gospels as well, there's an immediacy to it and there's a longevity to it as well. In other words, there's some things that we need to do that happen in just the moment. Someone hurts us, maybe we exit the room for just a moment, or someone sends a nasty email and you've got your retaliatory email all set, ready to hit send. Just close it and save it in your drafts. When someone speaks unkindly and your emotions are going, usually whatever is about to come out of your mouth can come from a place of defensiveness and hurt. And if you could fast forward, you would go, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. Just don't say it. Be willing to sit in awkward silence. There's some things in that moment that we can do. But then there's other things. I mean, let's be honest. Some of the hurts that people have, some of the enemies that we see, it, it just takes time. And if you have pressure on yourself to go, I've got to forgive this person, I've got to do it now, and I've got to be whole, and I've got to be healed, and everything has to be good in this moment. But it really, really, really hurts. Just know that we're human beings, and we have a gracious God that can take us through this process over time. And as you think about it over time, here's a way to focus, that we can focus on the restored relationship instead of rightful justice. And I put rightful in quotes. I'll tell you what I mean. Like think for just a minute about um, one of my kids one night was doing dishes and didn't do a very good job. I'll, I'll just say they, I won't say boy or girl here, but, and um, I had not had a good day. And I did the thing where, you know, they didn't clean the dishes very well, and that became the biggest deal in the world to me because I was just not having a good day. And so I thought, go to your room. Why did you do it like this? And I took out frustrations of the day on one of my kids. And it was really awkward in the house. They're pointing at each other right now. Was that you? Was that me? I'll tell you later. Um, <clears throat> and I went into their room and... Uh, well, first we were out in the kitchen still, and it was just awkward. I, I, I didn't like yell and scream or something, but I was very direct and very, and it was clear that the sin was this much and how I responded was this. And so I finally went into their room and, uh, and I, I, I told the other kids that were there because they'd all seen, I said, hey, I, I, I'm, I need to go make this right. This is not, that was not okay. That was an overreaction. I went back in and I opened the door and I just said, I'm sorry, and my kid just gets up and runs and wraps their arms around me. Amen. Now, what was happening? I was ready to go, through, come on, adults, I was ready to go through the whole process. I was ready to go through, I shouldn't have done that. Let me, let me explain exactly what happened. And I apologize. Let's go out here. I'll apologize in front of everybody else. I had a public mistake. Let me make a public apology. And I had all the stuff ready. And how can I make it up to you? And I had all that. And my kid in that moment, maybe inadvertently, just showed me grace. And what they did in that moment was this, that their desire was not 
was not that I feel guilty. Their desire was not that I have some justice fall upon me for what I've done. What made them get up and run over to me was a desire to have a healed relationship. There might be people that is like that right now, and the thing holding you back is they need justice. They need to know how bad they hurt me. Something needs to happen to them. They need to hurt as bad as I'm hurting. Let God work on your heart over time and focus on how beautiful it would be with a restored relationship instead of making sure vengeance falls upon that person. Love your enemies, do good, lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. That's you and me. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Here's a very important truth we need to understand as we're extending forgiveness and grace to other people, that no one can offend you more than you have offended God. Nobody can hurt me and offend me more than I have offended God. And God has shown his grace and his mercy to me, and he offers it to you as well. In Romans, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. We're going to take a minute and pray for our enemies and for any future enemies. Grudges that you hold hurt you, not them. Never forget that. Love all, not most. Aren't you glad that that's how God operates? Amen.